Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Curry, and welcome to Eavesdrop. You can find our podcast at the iTunes Store. You can find it also at the website, bigbrainsmedia.com. We hope that you'll listen in very often for a dose of wisdom, like Eve in the Old Testament, and some things that are going on in our world today. We want to bring you some uh, issues that are close to our heart. And one of those people who has a, a lot of wisdom because she's been through a lot and because she loves Jesus Christ is Donna McKinley. Donna's uh, a wife, a mother, and and Donna, you are a mother again. 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 Donna had, you had two daughters, correct? I had two daughters by birth. By birth that have graduated from college. 27 and 25. 25. And um, she's here in, uh, you know, this is an issue that transcends locale, whether you're in America, somewhere else in the world, or right here in our sweet home, Alabama. So after your daughters graduated from college, Donna, tell us about how you ended up with more children <laughs> and why? Well, well first, um, when my daughters were 16 and 17, their dad passed away suddenly. He was standing one minute and was with the Lord the next. And he had actually bankrupt us the month, I mean, the year, well, about six months before that. And in fact, the day of I buried him, I got a phone call from the bankruptcy court saying, you had overpaid and you know we've got some money for you, which was wonderful because we had paid back everything we owed. But it was wonderful because but the fact that he had bankrupted us, I was homeless. My mother had died six months before, and I had two children and a half of a week's salary in the checking account. I was on disability from a bone disease that I had, and I had nothing. But, friend, I knew at that moment when the doctor looked at me and said he did not make it to the hospital, I knew at that moment I felt like Moses where I said, Lord, I'm not taking one step forward unless you are with me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that even if I ended up on the side of the street, even if I knew I was homeless, my Lord would provide for me. And he has. Two years after my husband passed away, and it wasn't easy, but two years after my husband passed away, I met a wonderful man, David McKinley, and he had two daughters the exact same age as my two daughters. Wow. And that makes a wonderful mix. Yes, it does. <laughs> and if you want to get close to the Lord, have four daughters the same age. Mm, 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 mm. Um, but our daughters are grown now, and they're out on their own. We have... Uh, Two grandbabies and one on the way. Oh, boy. So that's wonderful and blessed. But David and I were sitting at home, and we were alone. And we we still feel young. We're 53 and 56, but we still felt young. Right. And so we were like, what can we do? Do we go to Africa for missions trip and come back? Well, we didn't feel the Lord was bringing us there. And I said, let's just pray and just ask the Lord what he would have us do. And when we prayed, I waited for my husband. I knew what I wanted to do. And he came to me and he said, would you like to adopt maybe a teenage boy this time? Wow. So we went through the process and um, we said we wanted a boy. And the day that we were approved, we got the phone call and said, we have a sibling group of three. And we were like, oh, no. And I went, no, let's let's pray about it. And these were were actually preteens. And we met them, fell hopelessly in love with these children. They loved the Lord. In fact, they went on a, a local radio, a news station, 
and was interviewed before they had met us and said, we want Christian parents. We want older parents that can deal with us. Wow. And we want to live in Gardendale because that was the place where they had come to know the Lord. Wow. They had been in foster care 10 years in 10 homes. Oh, my goodness. They've never had a mom and dad. They have been through just a horrific life. And they love the Lord. They love people. They love family. And when we met them, I'm going to cry telling you this. When we met them, it, w- it was love at first sight. Do they have some issues? Yes. But they're, they're A-B students. They're so eager to please. Um, they are such a blessing to David and I. Now, you know, we get tired. <laughs> we, we, there's a lot we forgot about. But it is our mission. And we feel like this as, as missionaries. Because if... Here's the thing. They've accepted the Lord, but they've never known unconditional love because every time they would be bad, then they would come home from school and their bags would be packed and they'd go to the next foster home. Oh, my goodness. And so they have tested us. Are you going to keep us? And we became a forever family December the 4th, and it was the most beautiful day that ever. We had a huge celebration. It was wonderful. But now they understand unconditional love, but it's a daily thing. Because how can you conceive God's love if you've never had unconditional love right. of a father for a child right. or a mother for a child? Exactly. And so that we feel that's our mission for these children, for them to understand that no matter what, I'm going to love you unconditionally so that they can cling to the Lord as they're going through their life and understand He loves me unconditionally. You know, when we talk, probably a year ago about this. That was the, one of the main points that you made was having that unconditional love yes. for these young people. What has been the most challenging part, though, for you and your husband as you've moved forward with really, I mean, a brand new family? Um, we had forgotten <laughs> how exhausting it can be. And it's like, nobody reminded me I have to feed and water these children three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is it's um mama mama my shoes i got a hole in my shoe the next one comes in mama i need my pants are too tight mama i need homework mama this mama that and there's sometimes it's like please mama just needs quiet time mm-hmm. but i look back and i see them and i see how you know uh, the twins just had their birthday mm-hmm. and they just turned 12 and what they wanted for their birthday was the family to get together for dinner Wow. They did not want a kid's party. They did not ask for anything. And I had my sisters got to come and um, a, couple of my, a couple of the daughters got to come, other daughters, adult ones got to come. But that was the most exciting. And on the way home, they said, this is the best birthday in our life. Oh, my goodness. They didn't have pony rides and they didn't have, <laughs> you know, we didn't do anything fancy. Mm-hmm. But that was important because it was family. And they have brought back, even for me, they have brought back a new love of families getting together. After a while, sometimes you just take for granted the love you have of a family. And now to see it through their innocent eyes and to see uh, their wonder of of what family means to them, because they've never in their entire life had family. And they weren't always together either. You um, bring up a point when you talk about family and forever family and that this is not a unique situation. We have young people all over the United States who are part of the foster care system. 
And when they age out of foster care, there is no forever family for them. You see a certain level of homelessness, mental illness. They're not educated. There's no money for college. And then a holiday rolls around and there's nobody. there's nobody and no place to go. Uh, and I had some friends a few years ago who was working on a project called My Father's House Foundation, <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to get a place for kids who age out of foster care to be able to go. And, and that's a project that, that, that needs life. It needs to be restarted, yes. but not just in Birmingham where we live, but but all over, all over the world. So what you've done basically is given these kids um, a forever family and someplace to go. And I, it, with these children, um, their last year before they came to us, they were with Alabama Baptist Children's Home in a group home. Mm-hmm. And basically that was the first time that they had experienced Christ. Wow. And my thought was, what as Christians, we know that there are children being raised in foster care system that will never go to church, that will never understand the unconditional love of a father, that will never have those questions answered. And as Christians, if we have that, that door open, we have space for another child, even if it's one child, you're giving that child a hope for the future. And that's what you know, God did to us. He adopted us. So we need to turn and give that same love to a child that can grow up and be homeless and learn to manipulate people to get what they want, to do what it takes because it's going to be about me, or learn how to be selfless and how to submit themselves. I mean, you've got to lead somebody to the cross. right? Um, And these children can witness what a husband and wife um, how their interactions should be. If it's a single person that's adopting, they can see how that single person keeps their integrity and their Christian faith as they go through as a single person. But they're going to have to have somebody display that to them. Yeah, I know that you had mentioned also that your daughters wanted to make sure that they approved of their new oh, brothers did. and sisters. How how is that working out? They're in love. They're in love. Really? In fact, my um my the one of the girls that I adopted, Ellen, she took the name of my grandmother uh, and my mother. Um, but Ellen, she had to write a, an essay. Now she's been adopted since December. Okay. Uh-huh. She wrote an essay, and the essay was to be on who was the most influential person in your life. Mm-hmm. And it was my oldest daughter, Anna. Wow. And she has encouraged her. Um, and Anna's always pushing her to read, and Anna's pushing her to women of integrity, women who make a difference mm-hmm. in the world and, and what she can be and not be a victim and to be stand up and, and have a faith that people will will you know will will um uh look to when they need help and strength and so you know when when she told me you know this is what she had done i thought goodness we are a family yeah. we are a family now there's irritations you know the kid yeah. my, my little, we call them the three little pigs the three little pigs can be loud sometimes the older ones are like they're getting on our nerves it's family that's what it we do family. it's family but when we have a family get together it's wonderful it's loud it's kids climbing all over the place grandkids are there now and it's just growing and it's like yes this is what this 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 is what it's about and the gift you've given them has been extraordinary. The and gift they've given us has been extraordinary. Um, we we were very stuck in our routines. We mm-hmm. were very 
we're getting old and getting old fast. And you don't have time to get old with three little pigs. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm up and down them steps. I've lost 30 pounds. You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, getting into what the, the even more so what the latest trends are and um, doing homework and, you know, just staying busy. And I don't have time just to sit and, and uh, mold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so wonderful and so wonderful that, that, that you guys have done that. But that's that's not your whole ministry. One of the things that you, you also do, you work with kids and look out for kids in a growing epidemic in our nation, mm. which is drug abuse. Give us the latest on what parents need to be on the lookout for and what you're doing to try to, to help save our kids. Well, with McKinley Reports, I try to report for parents. They can go to my Facebook page, um, and it's just McKinley Reports. And I try every day to give a parent some type of information of the current youth culture because if you don't know what to look for, then you don't know what to look for, right? right? right. And it's the president of a well presence of a well-informed parent that's the best deterrent to heartache in the life of a child. So we need to get out there, and and we need to not only inform the parents, but inform the children so that they don't fall into the trap. For instance, I had a friend call me, and he found um, a, a little vial, and it's called Poppers. Now, this Poppers, um, back in the day, back in when I was 18, 19 years old, you could buy it at, the, at uh, some of the bars, and it was, a, it was called Rush. Um, then it was used uh, quite a bit in the homosexual community because it heightened sexual, sexually and it, um, some other things. And so it was it was used in that community. Then it got connected with AIDS quite a bit, so then it died off in the AIDS community. But the teenagers have found it. It is illegal in some areas, but there is getting through to Birmingham, and it looks like fingernail polish. And you pop it, and it's called poppers because when you crush the vial, it makes a popping sound. And... It, when when huffed, you get a high, and again, you get a, high, a heightened sexuality, and it's prevalent in the area. And this little boy that had it did not know what it was. Someone had handed it to him, and he didn't know what to do with it, and he showed it to his daddy. Well, then mm-hmm. the uh, somebody else came in and realized what it was and, and uh, took it and brought it to me. So that's one of those. A lot of the gas stations are selling. Um, there's one called Sandman. And it's a party drink, and you just put the powder into some water or whatever kind of drink, and it's supposed to heighten, you know, make you hyper and all this stuff. But it has a drug in it. It's called Phenobue, and it's a drug in it that's illegal in Russia to use without a prescription. But we, it's totally legal in the United States, and it's used to treat psychosomatic disorders. Okay. And it's totally legal, and our children are, are drinking it. And that you can go to most gas stations and find it. And so these are the things that we're trying to bring up. We've had a lot of teenagers actually go to the hospital because of sipping syrup. And it's in a lot of rap music. Um, this is what Lil Wayne supposedly overdosed on. And basically, it's cough syrup, Sprite, and um, Jolly Ranchers. And oh it gives it a purple hue. So it's either called Purple Drank, D-R-A-N-K. Or sipping syrup is what you do. Local kids will call it lean if they've not put cough syrup in it, but they've put they've crushed up um, pills and put it in it. Yeah, you know, like um, pain pills. So we've got that going on. It's very popular. We've had uh, Jamal Russell was arrested for doing um, right. purple drink. Mm-hmm. So it's 
pretty prevalent in our area. Another thing is called parachuting, where you crush up some pills, you put it in a square of toilet paper, you roll it up like a joint, clip the ends off, then you pop it in your mouth, and then you drink some drink, drink it, you know, you drink, and mm-hmm. then that will deteriorate the toilet paper. So by the time it gets through your esophagus, the crushed peel will get into your uh, bloodstream really fast. Wow. So uh, these are these are just a few of the things that we are seeing. And every time I think there's nothing else that these kids can be doing, and then I get a phone call. And it's something else. And it's something else. And it, they're changing constantly. They're lacing cigarettes with rat poison. Because it gives rat you a, poison. It, it gives you a high. And they're smoking it. They're killing themselves. They're killing themselves fast. Very fast and furious. You know, and, and, and so many people may think that this only involves kids in poor nope. neighborhoods. No, no, this is this is very upscale I neighborhoods get, as well. I get phone calls from all across. And it, it's um, now, even meth now is a mainstream drug. It is no longer the drug for the poor kids. It is the cool thing to do. And our kids have learned called shake and bake and how to make your meth in a um, two-liter bottle. And then they use it and they chunk it out. And, you know, we've had recently just um, not too far from here, actually about five miles from here, we had a young baby that actually drank some Drano that the parent oh. was making meth with so we've had and the baby's face is disfigured oh uh, a couple goodness. of years ago we had a young girl found a sprite bottle and swigged it thinking it was sprite but it was only the drano again and it ate up her esophagus and she had her esophagus scraped out for over a year she had to go every every week and have her esophagus scraped and she was on a feeding tube for a long time it's epidemic and again we've had in the upper scale areas, just in my area, mm-hmm. in the Birmingham surrounding areas, um, that they've actually had meth houses. And we're talking about the three hundred fifty, four hundred fifty thousand dollar homes. Mm-hmm. They've got meth labs. So don't think it's not me, and don't think because my child goes to church, right. then my child is no. Because we have kids that um, they're in church every Sunday. They have died from overdoses because they did not realize what they were taking or didn't know what they were doing. What can we do? The adults, what do we do, Donna? Besides duct taping them to the wall to the 21? Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- this is terrifying. Uh, education, talk openly with your children. Yes. Not only about this, but on sexual issues as well. Because if things are taboo, then the, ch- the child will not come to you right. with a question. Make sure, I tell all parents, make sure your reaction is not an overreaction. Right. Go in your bedroom, lock the door, scream into the pillow later. But you need, at that point, when that child asks you a question, you need to stay very calm and answer the best way you can. Because they're going to find the answer. And Fran, you know, for years I lived undercover on the Internet, right? posing as a young teenager. And I found that the most children that were victimized were the children that could not go talk to their parents about sensitive issues. Right. So whether it's homosexuality, whether it's sexuality, whether it's drugs, um, any question they have, you need to be able to talk to your child openly about that. And we're very open in my home. We always have been very open in my home because I felt like if it was an easy topic, and if it's a topic that's relevant, it should be an easy topic, right. then it will not be difficult for a child to come to me and to talk to me. But always listen and try to use open-ended questions. Friend, if a mm-hmm. child comes in and says, 
you know, uh, has a question and then you turn around and go, why? Then the answer is going to be nothing. Exactly. Yeah, well, tell me why you asked that. That's mm-hmm. leading that into the next question. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, you know, tell me, tell me about the people you know that do that. Right. Uh, well, what do you think we need to do about people who do that? How do you think it needs to be handled? And then as they start giving you answers, even answers they feel you want to hear, it might not be really how they feel. It becomes their answers. Right. It's harder to break your own rules than it is your parents' rules. Right. So over a period of time, the child, it will become their their values and their morals. And then it will be harder for them to uh, it'll be harder for them to break those. And when you're in the when they're out in the community, they've already practiced what to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I tell my parents one thing is to give your child a code word. When the child calls you and says, hey, mom, what's up? That means you to chew that child out. Yell. Let people overhear it on their end of the cell phone. Tell them they're grounded, then go and get themselves home. Because that code word meant I'm in an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Be the bad parent. Be willing to be the bad parent. Come get me. Be the parent and not the friend. Exactly. You're not the friend. And let me tell you something. You know, my, my, my theme <laughs> is put on your big girl panties and get over it. There you go. If you try to be... Your child's best friend, you are your child's worst enemy. That's right. And I can spot one of those mamas in a Minnesota uh-huh. minute because she's dressing like the child. She's uh-huh. trying to, and she'll brag about how all the, the kids think she's so cool. All that means is they think you so fool. Right. Because they know they can get something over on you. Exactly. And here's the deal. They come to your house and they sneak in alcohol. They they drive away from your home and they have a wreck. You will go to jail. Yes, you will most definitely because you should have been supervising. And so and it, it, it's it, we've even had Sheriff Curry um, actually get a phone call from a parent in, a, in an affluent area that wanted to have a deputies come to their house for a. Um, uh, graduation party and very proud to say that she was going to allow drinking but she was not going to allow the kids to leave and she didn't understand why he threw a fit no honey you can't allow them exactly. to exactly you know there's laws for Hello? a reason you put two boys together teenage boys together and a girl in the room and you mix alcohol mm-hmm. in it they're going to fight like two roosters over a chick yes they are that's just what they do and you can't watch them 24 right. 7 and if i get a grandchild out of that party my that my kid went to your house guess who's paying for my grandchild until it graduates from college <laughs> you are exactly definitely. and you know and the deal is when they the cops come knocking at my door and say did you allow your child to go to that house and drink no i thought they were having a bible study <laughs> and to prove that i'm going to sue your homeowners now you oh. had 30 kids at your house and you got 30 kids suing for against your homeowners and yeah. you don't sue for a hundred bucks you know you sue That's for a right, million you dollars you got 30 million that's a very big lawyer you got to pay for. That's then right. you got the criminal side. You've got to have a lawyer to fight your criminal side. Then you got your juvenile side because your child invited the people. Then you got DHR knocking at your door saying, hey, you're putting children at harm, so we got to see if we need to take your kids away. Oh and, gosh. friend, DHR is like a booger on your finger you can't fling off. They're going to stay. And mm-hmm. I've got parents whose DHR has been in their home for years. Because of an act they did years before. 
because they're going to make sure that you're doing what you need to do so this child is has a productive life. Good, bad, ugly, whatever you think about DHR, that's the reality. Can you afford to be that cool? Right, exactly. You, you mentioned before we started today something else in relation to kids, not just kids, but adults too. Mm-hmm. A word many of us have known in our entire lives because it's something you are terrified of, syphilis. Yes. As a sexually transmitted disease. But you say it has it has morphed. It's morphed. It's a shifting antigen virus now yes. and has become something else. Tell yes. us about that. Well, it has now... Um, it, the antibiotics that we used in the past mm-hmm. are not fighting it. It has morphed and it is um, very prevalent. We have had signs in our areas before that in Jefferson County we had a, a, a syphilis outbreak. Right. But it has now grown and has become stronger and it it will absolutely just turn its back on any antibiotics. And so they're having to do very aggressive antibiotics. This is very scary. It is very, very, very scary. scary. The human papillomavirus yeah. is the virus that causes genital warts. Young girls don't know they have genital warts. They might be 30 years old before they ever get precancerous conditions in their body from something that happened when they were 13 because they don't check for genital wart or they don't check for the human papillomavirus when they do pap smears because Every one of us, by the time we're 50, all the females, there's like 90% of us will have had one form of that or another. Some of the, just from hand, it's skin-to-skin contact. Right. And so we've got young girls that are taking these shots, and we still don't know about these shots, long-term effects of these shots. Right. So we don't even know what's going to happen there. But it is skin-to-skin contact, and these shots only, only address certain, uh, certain parts of the virus. But there's other parts of the virus that still can cause cancer. But skin-to-skin contact, that doesn't have to mean sexual contact. It could be hand contact to hand contact, and then you go to the restroom, that sort of things. Um, Young kids doing some innocent fooling around. Um, well, not innocent, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but that it can, your child can actually actually have that virus and not know about it until it's already in the precancerous condition. So you need to talk seriously with your children about the dangers, and then let them know amnesty. If I need to take you to the doctor, we'll take you to the doctor, and you're not going to be punished. But your life is more important to me right. at this point than the punishment. Yes. So um, as we close, what, what advice do you give parents or, or to give all of us who may consider adopting, those of us who have young family members? I have tons of little cousins, and I'm scared to death about the drug thing and the syphilis thing. What advice do you give us to, to best help them? I w- on your knees. Yeah. On your knees. You know, people say, all I can do is pray. Well, that should have been the very first, first thing we thing need to do. do. Bathe them in prayer. My biggest prayer for my children is in Ephesians, and I tell them all the time that the darkness that surrounds you will be exposed. Mama will know. Yes. <laughs> but Mama knows. Mama knows. And, you know, and trust your instincts. When you are, mm-hmm. are close enough to the Lord and you've been in prayer for your child, you'll get that instinct. But... Also remember, God forgave us, and we should show grace to our children. You cannot live a life of condemnation with the children because then they think it's a God of condemnation. And our God is a God that laid down His own Son yes. through our His Son in front of the train for us. Right. And so we've got to know, let our kids experience that same grace. And and that's my biggest. Uh, don't don't turn your back or your eyes away from what's going on, but then also don't be the judge. 
you know, guide, let this be a chance to guide and mentor your child. Walk them through and experience grace together. Donna McKinley, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For your wise advice and information that we all needed to hear today on eavesdrops. You can always get the podcast at iTunes for that podcast. And you can also go to the website, which is bigbrainsmedia.com to check us out there. And of course, we have a Facebook page too for eavesdrops. So please uh, check us out there. Thanks so much for being with us. And thanks again to Donna McKinley for blessing us uh, with your incredible story of taking care of children and teaching us all how to be better people and better mothers. God bless. God bless you.